Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. I hope everyone is rocking and having a good day. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, we're we're going through a crazy time right here on the uh, on the island, as you guys, some of you will know. Hurricane Isaac is headed into the Gulf of Mexico, and a little bit crazy right now uh, because it was. It, 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 we don't know where it's going to go, but it's headed towards the the uh, the whole inside coast of Florida. And that being the case, uh, they don't know if it's going to hit Tampa where the Republican convention is or if it's going to come up in the panhandle. So off and on over the next few days, uh, we may or may not be on the radio starting Monday as we uh, if we have to relocate. I'm supposed to be in Salt Lake City anyway. Uh, so we're going to be playing that one by ear uh, just to kind of see where things go. But... We're in Ken Dunn's book. Listen, I, it's wonderful. The uh, Ocean Avenue, which is the company Ken has just started to launch with Fred Nino, uh, they just sent me in their new product. Uh, it's, it's, well, one of many of their products, but this is a whey shake that is a mango flavor, and I'm just starting to use it today. Wonderful stuff. Uh, Franco Cavallari is the chief science officer that put this together, a former North American bodybuilder, stud man himself. I'm hoping to get him on interview later today, and uh, we're going to head up there next week, do some interviews with some of their leaders. But a uh, wonderful book. If you haven't bought the book, you need to go to Amazon or, or wherever you can buy this, Being the Change. I'm looking on here. You can go to KenDunnLeadership.com is where you can pick this book up. Phenomenal book. Mm. I like it. Today we're in Chapter 7. In, <clears throat> improve your communication. Effective communication is 20% of what you know and 80% of how you feel about what you know, which I think is is a 100% accurate statement. Ken starts this off, and he loves Steve Jobs, and, and I always admired Steve Jobs and what he did and how he did it. He says, if you've ever seen Steve Jobs give a keynote address, You'll undoubtedly agree that he's one of the most extraordinary speakers in corporate America. This is true. Jobs learned a long time ago that a leader must be part evangelist and part brand spokesman. He's so true. Guy Kawasaki, who was his chief evangelist through the 80s when they brought out Macintosh, is also a prime example of this. I have looked at this and said, man, maybe I need to change my tagline. People call me a watchdog. I call myself an ambassador. I think I'm going to become the MLM evangelist. You know, I just love network marketing, and I want to be the biggest vocal proponent of what we do because I believe it's the most wonderful industry for people. And one of the things that, that Ken talks about in here is how Steve Jobs, with his infectious enthusiasm, was able to get John Scully, who had run Pepsi, I think it was for, for many, many years, to come over and be a part of this. And this is how he did it. He said, do you want to sell sugared water all your life, or do you want to change the world? Now, Scully had been in charge of the Pepsi Challenge back in the 80s when when he, they took on Coke, and they won. And Scully decided to go to, to Apple. Now, sadly, Scully was way too corporate, and, and I don't think Jobs understood that. They They had a falling out, and Steve Jobs was ousted by his own company. I mean, for John Scully, that was a big coup, without a doubt. If you can get the founder of the company out and you take control, thing is, Apple went downhill. And I found that interesting. When you lose 
your chief evangelist, the one that knows what's going on. There's no guarantee. A company in network marketing did a phenomenal job after they lost their evangelist was Herbalife. When Mark Hughes passed away, it shocked the world of network marketing, and it truly shocked Herbalife. But it was very interesting to see how he had left the legacy behind, and they were able to keep that company going. I just think it rocks. When Mary Kay passed away, the same thing happened. See, when a true evangelist understands how to communicate the message correctly, it will change the world. The mission is more important than the product. Steve Jobs never went around. Matter of fact, I don't know an Apple enthusiast that has ever gone around selling plastic and metal. Never happened. Their gigantic passion, everything that they were about and are about, is the experience in life. Ken says this. He says, in my own life, I had no choice but to become a communicator. Ever since I was 18 years old, I had to collect the facts and learn to assemble those facts in a way that made sense, that was clear and compelling, and then I learned to present them in a way that would pursue people. Now, let's, let's look at that for a minute. <clears throat> Ken's saying, I had no choice but to become a communicator ever since I was 18 years old. I had to collect facts and learn to assemble them. Now, that was when he was getting in the military being a cop. My first communication classes were in 10th grade. I had a teacher that was just a, she's just nasty. Uh, I don't even have a polite way to say it. Her name was Mrs. Pitsenbarger. And it was it was interesting, to, to say the least, because what I found was that I didn't like to communicate in front of people. So when she would ask me to do something from Shakespeare, I, I would I would stutter and flutter, and it was embarrassing. My face would turn red, and I and I look back and I thought, man, I just didn't know how to communicate at the time. The reality is not just did I not know how to communicate at the time, but it was why I was having to communicate. See, when you're when you're made to communicate, then you all of a sudden start to to be forced into doing something that you're not ready to do. And in 10th grade, I'd made a decision, I'm never going to be on stage. I don't want to do this. I remember one time trying to do a music talent show, and I got up on stage with my trumpet because I blew a horn, and a song that I could do with my eyes closed, didn't need a sheet of music or anything, I screwed it all up. Fear. You know, one of the biggest fears in life is having to speak in public. But yet, if you want to succeed in network marketing, you have to become a communicator. You may not have to speak in front of tens of thousands of people, but you have to be able to communicate at least one-on-one. You've got to be able to know, and you've got to, you've got to become proficient at it. Ken says, over the course of my 15 years in police work, I must have testified in court a thousand times. I had to learn how to get my point across in a way that communicated all the details succinctly. I discovered how to be very accurate in a short amount of time. This is important. God gave us two ears and one mouth. We need to learn how to talk, shut up, and listen. Ken says, think for a second about someone you know that is extremely successful, and I'll bet that they're great speakers too. One thing that made Nart Williams what he was now one of the richest men in the world, a little southern Georgia coach, 
was that he could communicate from the heart, knew what he wanted to say and said it. Ken says, it is essential to be a great communicator if you want great success, and, and I have never met yet a person of great success that couldn't communicate. Not when we're talking about business. Not when we're talking about religion. Not when we're talking about science. Not when we're talking about relationships. Do you have to communicate on the sports field? Every great quarterback was a great communicator. Every great receiver was a wonderful listener. See, when you really look at it, communication is the key in any successful endeavor. And to be a great communicator, it's vital that you are understood, that you have a powerful delivery, and that you're influential. So if you want to be successful in a gigantic way in network marketing, and I'm not talking about monetarily. You know, I... I think in our career in network marketing, we probably rank in the in the top 15, 20% in income earners. We're not in the top 2%. My, maybe we're in the top 10%, but I, I'd say the top 15 to 20%. Didn't get that way without being able to communicate. See, you you want to be able to share with passion. You want to be able to, to be detailed but to the point succinct, but don't over-communicate. See, sometimes, and I did this early on, I would over-explain. People all the time say, true, I can't make it. I, can't, I don't understand the comp plan. I don't know what to do. Da-da-da-da-da. It's like, make it simple. See, network marketing in and of itself is one of the simplest things that you will ever do, but it takes hard work. See, the more simple that you understand what it is that we do, and one of the things that Jim Gilhouse has said for years, and he probably stole it from somebody else, is this. Network marketing is nothing more, nothing less than personal development with a compensation plan. And see, in, in reality, that's what it is. See, the sales force is constantly learning. Just like Ken says here, you are growing into a new leader, into a new person. And once you figure that out, and once you figure out that prospecting is about being able to deliver people growth, it's personal development, and that personal development does not mean that it's only education. It could be from a, a health in, in, inside of it. It could be from showing them how they can personally develop into saving money. I mean, all of a sudden you realize this is massive, but the only way to do it is to be detailed but not to over-communicate, to be simple. Ken says, many people over-explain things. Man, I did that. I guarantee I probably do that still sometimes. In court, I always knew when I'd gone too far because the judge's eyes would glaze over. Man, I used to be that way sitting around kitchen tables with people when I was growing my, my career in Primerica and World Marketing Alliance. I mean, they would say, Troy, the, the, the interview should take one hour. Well, part of the reason it took more than one hour is because I did what Ken said. I got to know the people. I wanted to hear about their families, get to know them, and then I would share a little bit. But... Overall, I think I just over, I over, I over uh, detailed the whole thing, over communicated. So you've got to be able to effectively communicate with somebody, communicate the the details, the important stuff, and then just stop and let them talk. Ken writes this. I thought this was good. He says, "I can't tell you the number of people that I've met who start talking and just keep on talking." There's people that when I see their number come across my telephone, I just don't answer it. Because I know all they're going to do, they're not even going to say, Troy, are you busy? They're just going to open their mouth and start talking. 
They assumed because I was courteous enough to answer the phone that I've got plenty of time for them. And it doesn't work that way. It's tough, but that's that's just the way it is. It's a rough situation when you're trying to help people. And some people really don't get the importance of communication. Ken Ken brought something to my attention, though, when I was reading this book. And I've communicated with Ken. This is the fun thing about me doing this book. Like other mentors that I have, like Richard Brooke and, and Orrin Woodward and, and Tom Haupt and B.K. Bareko, I've learned to know their personalities because we communicate so well and so much that it's like, huh, this is good. Okay, now I understand. Well, I've been able to do that with Ken. And and two things that he says here, I, I mean, literally make total sense to me. He says, I've noticed two main reasons people become trapped in overcommunication. One, they feel they need to say things several times in order to get their point across. And second, they just don't realize that it's happening. I was, I was in an, experiment, an experience with Ken. Uh, we had flown to Orlando, uh, Ken, myself, Fred Nino, and a compensation plan expert. And as we were setting at the table and the spreadsheets were out and the, the communication was going on, and really it was Fred and I were just sitting back and, and absorbing all this, I watched this in action. Ken wanted specific details and then wanted the compensation plan expert to shut up and listen to what he had to say. But the compensation plan expert felt that he needed to say things several times in order to get his point across, and he didn't listen to what Ken was trying to say. Now, was it on the other foot too? Absolutely. There were times when when Ken was talking and and he didn't shut up either because he's trying to get his point across. It was one of the most beautiful experiments of of personal interaction I've ever seen. But what Ken just said right here is so true because at times they both felt like they needed to get some things across. At other times they just didn't realize what was happening. And see, what I've learned is no matter what the reason, when you over-communicate, it's actually a pretty bad deal, even worse than under-communicating. This is one of my weaknesses. I don't know. You know, some people don't like to admit their weaknesses, but, man, this is one of mine. I try, I'm trying so hard to get my videos down in, in time because I just seem to over-communicate. See, how you say things is just as important as what you're saying. And if, and if you want to succeed in network marketing and if you will become skilled at how you say things, you won't have to repeat yourself over and over again. How many times have we gone through this with kids, our, our own kids? We feel like we've got to repeat ourselves over and over and over and over and we, we get mad at them, but yet we don't think maybe we're just not communicating this right. Maybe we're over-communicating it and they get all freaked out. Yesterday, Jetty, it's funny, we're packing up for this hurricane, getting stuff up to storage Paige had put some boxes together, taped them up, ready to put stuff in, and all Jetty heard was, go undo all the boxes. Well, he didn't hear which boxes she was talking about, so he came and undid everything Paige had just done. That, that was not communication on either part. Things like that happen. Do you know someone, think about this, do you know someone who talks so much that it becomes painful. I told you a minute ago, there's people that call me and I just I don't even answer the phone because it's that bad. See, 
when you have spoken clearly and concisely, how how do you know if someone has really understood what you've said? I mean, this is really, this is what it comes down to. Think about this for a second. When you've spoken clearly and concisely, how do you know when someone's really understood you? You ask. All you got to do is ask. Ken Wright says, I thought this was good, he says, once you've asked, this way the other person directly experiences your commitment to communication and the clear and consideration that you have, the care and consideration that you have. And you'll know if a certain point requires more clarification or not. See, when you stop and you say, hey, do you understand what I was just trying to get across? Yes. Okay, can you can you repeat it back just so we're on the same page? Boom, boom, boom. No, that's not what I meant. Or, yeah, man, that's great. And you go on. Another thing you can do is you use stories. When when Ken and I connected, and he said, Troy, I'd like to hire you as a consultant and a, and a person, a journalist, that will document our story from start to finish. I said, okay. I think we can do that. We, we, we worked out the details. He shared what he wanted. I said, why are you looking at me? He goes, because you know all of the companies. You see all of the trends. You know what's happening. You know what people are getting into, and it's like, yeah, I do. You know, because I see all this stuff from a 30,000 foot, and sometimes actually right dead down in the forest. And you, and you see it. And all of a sudden I realize these are just stories. All I'm going to be doing is portraying stories. And Ken's going to be able to take the nuggets from those stories of other companies, other situations, and be able to use that to make sure that they guide Ocean Avenue in the right direction as they're as they're launching this company internationally. I love it. And th- and there's many times as I sat in on meetings and had conversations with Ken, I'll say, you know, I know a company or I have a friend went through this exact situation. Here's what they learned. Here was the negative, here was the positive. Bam. He's able to grab that. They're able to go back and, and, and they talk as a team. I love that. Ken gives a good book for us that, that need to work on this. It's called Influencers, The Power to Change Anything. Matter of fact, I'm, I think I already downloaded and started reading that. Ken has given me so many books to read that I'm constantly downloading, putting them in my Kindle, and, and going back and reading them later, starting a new book. I mean, it's phenomenal. And there it is, number three. I'm, I'm 9% through it, Influencers, The Power to Change Anything. You know, I, I believe that when you when you take and you grow and you dig and you push, sky's the limit on what you can do. So how do you how do you do this? How do you become an effective communicator? Not just talking to hear yourself talk, but talking to create change. Here's what Ken has to say, and I think this is a personal story. He said, thousands of hours of giving evidence, watching juries and judges, I realize that they respond as much to my tone as to the way I'm saying things as the actual words. They listened very closely to my words, but there was much more into that. I'm sure many judges made decisions in court based on the presence of fact, but I'm also positive that the way I said things helped me a great deal. And he uses an example. He says, if you take the sentence, I didn't say she stole the money. And then you you kind of look at each sentence and you emphasize certain words. I 
didn't say she stole the money. I didn't say she stole the money. I didn't say she stole the money. Well, I didn't say it was she stole the money. I didn't say she stole money. No, no, look. I didn't say she stole the money. I didn't say she stole the money. See, each word, when you reemphasize, when you change, kind of gives a little different. Oh, she didn't steal the money. What did she steal? Okay, you didn't say it, but who did? Okay, if it wasn't her, who was it? Okay, if she didn't steal it, what did she do with it? See, it's interesting, as he shares this example in the book, exactly what he was getting at. See, he realized that if he was going to become a successful, inspirational leader, the kind of leader that other people would follow, not that dictatorial leader that we talked about in the very beginning of the book, then he had to learn to communicate. He had to learn to communicate in a way that people would be inspired, that people would listen. See, for you and I to do that, we've got to become more confident. And I think we become more confident when we become more competent. I went through a situation in the last nine months where I became very confident. I can, I can with confidence, say, I know more about penny auctions than anyone else in network marketing. I don't say that out of cockiness. I say it because I spent hours and hours and hours and hours learning and understanding what the unique bid auctions were all about and how they may or may not fit inside the network marketing community. With that wisdom and with that knowledge, I'm able to now lead companies and people. And I've made it very clear, until we get some more facts on compensation plans, people shouldn't be in there. But I've learned some stuff, and I've got companies calling for consulting now because of what I've learned and how I learned it. See, when you have confidence, you become competent. Or, or actually, when you become competent, excuse me, you become more confident. And if there's any one secret to success, it's getting people to know you, like you, and trust you. And the only way they're going to get to know you, like you, and trust you is for you to become a communicator that they listen to. In other words, we've got to be able to start learning to master the art of communication. We've got to always be aware of the person that we're talking to. And when we're attempting to build relationships with somebody, we've got to learn to ask open-ended questions. And don't talk about your business because that will do nothing but hurt you, and you don't want that. See, people love to talk about themselves, talk about their family. We use what we called form in the old days. Ask them about their family, their occupation, what they like to do for recreation, and what motivates them. That still rings true today. It still works. But don't do this. When people are talking, don't make that, that fatal flaw of opening your mouth and talking about your family and about you. Go let them talk. And the only time that you don't, or really the only time that you would break that rule, and there, and there is a time when you do it. It's called inspired interruption. Ken describes it as this. He says, you and I are speaking, and it's a relationship-building phase of the prospecting process where I'm focused on getting to know you, like you, and trust you, and having you do the same to me, I would interrupt you with something like this. Natalie, that's incredible. I can't believe it. What did you think? What were you doing? Please tell me some more. See, this interruption, this inspired interruption, 
lets her know or, or whoever you're talking to that you are listening, that you're engaged, and that you want more. It allows you, in other words, to validate them, not violate them, and nobody likes to feel violated. See, this is important because network marketers need to do just that. You've got to be conscious of what's going on because your livelihood depends on our ability to communicate with excellence. And to do that, we have to listen to the stories, observe the, uh, absorb the stories, and then we've got to become the best storyteller that we can be. We've got to know. So in, in closing, here's some tips that Ken gives us. I thought these were great. He says, number one, if you want to be a great communicator, practice, practice, practice. In marketing, it's testing, testing, testing. In real estate, it's location, location, location. And in communication, it's practice, practice, practice. Use teaser lines. Understand what teaser lines are about. Hey, do you know anyone that would be interested in losing a little, little bit of weight? Hey, let me ask you a question real quick. Do you know anyone that would be interested in saving a little money on cell phone bills? I've, I've, I need to, I've got something I want to talk to them about. Hey, let me ask you a question. You know anybody would be interested in saving some money at the gas pumps? Huh. Little teaser lines. No. Also, create your own power lines. Introduce yourself and what you're doing. Learn how to do that with power. Mention the industry and the trend that you're involved in. Validate the trend with a little bit of statistical information, media exposure, something, just a little bit. Nothing major. Highlight the benefits, just one or two of them, nothing major, just enough to tweak the curiosity and ask questions. In doing that, you're going to communicate your way to success. I love this book. It's great. Tomorrow, build confidence. That ought to be a good one. We'll be in Chapter 8. Folks, Troy Dooley, the host of the Beachside CEO. You've been listening to us on the Home Business Radio Network, the voice in positive powered radio.